Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, no more BS because Paul White is all elite and doing color commentary for AEW's Monday Night Elevation show on YouTube. Check him out. Just debuted a a couple days ago. You'll also eventually see him in the AEW ring. We'll talk about that. We're going to hear how it all happened today. We'll find out what made uh, Big Paul leave WWE after 23 years and sign with AEW. Paul's talking about his last run in WWE, the final straw that prompted him to leave, and the conversation he had with Vince McMahon after he announced his departure. Paul also recounts his failed story idea with Justin Bieber and John Cena, WWE's reaction to his Big Show Burger pitch, and what was supposed to happen at the first ever Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So many great giant stories coming up with one of my favorite guys in the business and my favorite former tag team partner, Paul White. Let's get it started now. The talk is Jericho. So uh, lots of surprises in AEW. One of my favorites over the last uh, six months or so is uh, Paul White coming to AEW. And we had spoke about this a little bit, but I had no idea that you had actually signed and they were actually coming, which was amazing to me and uh, a great surprise and a huge one for us uh, in in our company. Uh, As hard as it is to believe in today's technology world that kayfabe still exists that's right actually still was a surprise yeah but when only two people know about it you know it actually it actually lasted because uh you know uh when my deal ended with wwe i ended up signing a uh termination of services agreement because you know they want to try to give me a legends deal and stuff like that and that i wanted to move on and do other things Mm -hmm. you know i mean let's face it i sat on the bench there enough for a while so and then tony and i talked and we kept it quiet and it was good I mean, like, I didn't tell friends or, you know, I didn't tell you, obviously, Mm. you know what I mean? But uh, I kept it quiet because I knew those that are in the business would appreciate Mm -hmm. getting popped. So, you know. So I guess you mentioned sitting on the bench for for a long time. What was kind of the final straw for you to leave? Because it's hard to leave that environment, as you know. the, the, The writing on the wall when I figured I couldn't change anything in WWE was about five years ago. I got a speech that I was told I would never main event a WrestleMania again. I would never main event a pay-per-view again. And I would only be used to get over NXT talent because, you know, they got to think about the future of the business. You actually were told that. I was told that to my face, yeah. Not by Vince, but by somebody in the organization that, you know, pretty high up. A higher up powers that be is basically telling you. Are they telling you this matter-of-factly? Are they telling Yeah, pretty matter-of-fact. Like, you know, this is it, you know. Because at the time, five years ago, there weren't any options, you know, so they felt because I was very frustrated about positioning and I felt a little bit handcuffed a little bit because I couldn't help like I wanted to help. Right. You know, and then it was like, you know, like what's going on? You guys are not letting me contribute like I can contribute. You know, you're, you're kind of handcuffing me a little bit. And uh, so then I had that meeting and I was told why, you know, I just. That was that. So that was the start of me really realizing that, okay, and believe it or not, I was still so company-oriented and company-driven that I thought, you know what, I'll take this challenge and I'll work my way out of it. You know, cream always rises to the top mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then foolish me, you know, the harder I worked, it didn't matter. They thanked me for the hard work, you know, they paid me. But there was nothing that I could do that would change their minds at that point. You know. now, now, why do you think that is? Because let, let me I'll just say this, not just because you're here, but definitely one of the best big men of all time. Thank you. I, 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 I say it all the time. My favorite tag team partner. Mine too. I love uh, you too. Thank you. But but like a, like, a, like a motivated big show is dangerous with your I, matches with Brock and matches with like every time you the every time the ball was given to you, you took it and ran with it. I I don't know other than the fact that you know. Um, for whatever reason, I always hit a ceiling in WWE. I always hit a spot where I would start doing really well, start getting over, start accomplishing things, and then either I would be off TV for a few months or for some unknown reason I'd get knocked out by a mechanical bull. Right. <laughs> you know, which is your favorite oh, where you flipped your shit over. That was, a, that was a great text message that day. Have you lost your effing mind? But, <laughs> well, that was six months of us being this tag team where right. we had rebuilt you into what you should be, the giant destroyer. And then the week after we break up, then you're funny show fun well, guy again. It, it's so hard to try to understand what it is. I mean, for a lot of times, like WWE is a very 
it's an incredible organization. It's a very well-run machine, but it's also a, a shark tank. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is. And that was one of the things I had trouble adjusting. I've said that on other interviews before. I had trouble adjusting to that when I first got there. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for that constant turmoil mm-hmm. that goes on there. Political machinations. Political right. machinations uh, on so many levels. And um, for me, I think a lot of it was, you know, I actually made the joke to, to Vince. Um, so let me get this right. When I smoked two packs of cigarettes and was 500 pounds, I was a world champion. Now I've got a six pack and I can't even get a f- match. <laughs> so explain that one to me. You know, it's like I went and did everything to to all the stuff that, well, you're not doing this because you're not in this shape. You're not as aesthetically pleasing. You know, all the the hints that were dropped as to why my I didn't do well at 480 or 500 or your conditioning. Okay, so I went out and got all that done. And then it was like, oh, well, you know. But you know what always confuses me about that, Paul, is like, you know, you are a legit giant. Right. I don't know many giants that have six packs. And listen, you got it, and that's very admirable. But what does that have to do with the fact that you're a giant? It, it doesn't have anything to do with the price of tea in Hong Kong. It means absolutely nothing. It's just, but you know how the pressures are there because there's a certain look. What do I got to do to get recognized? What do I have to do to get put back in the mix? Why am I not in the mix? Why am I not in the mix? And that's just upper-level decisions. I mean, you know, they're, you're a number, you're an algorithm, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to see what makes everything else the most money possible. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily for your career benefit. It's who they think should be somewhere, who they want to push, who they want to see the future as. And and, and sometimes it's happened to, to Kane too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Kane. I mean, and Kane, God bless him. He's such a good guy that, you know, kind of like me, he rolled through and did whatever they asked. You yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, it's just that thing. They'll run somebody for so long. And then now, okay, well, this guy's over, and he still stays over no matter what we do to him. Well, then we can try to use that to get these other guys over. Do you think another reason is because you're very go with the flow, like you said, oh, too nice, maybe? Well, my thing was is I, I signed a contract, so I just did what I, I mean. You know, I'm not going to sit there and argue. I, I was never a guy to go in there and do the political um, fight and argue and text and all that stuff. That, that was never my MO. I trusted uh, I trusted WWE to to kind of have my best interests. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And sometimes, look in the, in the big picture, I had a great career, traveled the world, made a good living. You know, so it seems counterproductive to say I could have done a lot more. You know what I mean. But that's well, every. I think every talent feels that way that things don't turn out maybe like they think they should. But I think I definitely could have been a lot better asset. Um, but WWE got to a point where they were bringing in so much new talent, so much new talent that they weren't really yeah. building talent like they used to. It was newer's better. Every two weeks, every three weeks, something new, something new, something new. Like, you know, the I went through the, that first battle royal that we had that first Andre battle royal. I was supposed to win that. And then the day of, they're like, oh, we're going to go with Cesaro. And I'm like, okay, Cesaro's a great dude, incredible talent, speaks five languages. You know, this is a guy that absolutely I'll get behind, no problem. And I put him over the best way I could. He slammed me over the top. I shook his hand at the end. Um, that's what you do in this business. You want to make guys, right? You know, and uh, and uh, then I watched Cesaro just wither on the vine because they didn't do nothing with him. And basically, he was a piece to give a chance for Paul Heyman to be on TV until Brock came back. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it again, but that was the stack of the cards, the stack of the pieces to get to the talent that they really wanted to market, they really wanted to use, and they really wanted to depend on for everything. So it, it's it's really weird when you try to sit and look at the dynamic of it. And I'm not, I'm not bitter. Mm-hmm. That's my main thing I want people to understand. I'm not bitter, but it's one of those kind of things that uh, I feel a little bit sad that I didn't get to do as much as I could have done for them. And finally, just after a while, uh, when the opportunity came up and uh, I got tired of trying to prove to them what I could do for them. You know, I can walk down the street. I can't walk down the street without being right. recognized. I can't go in the grocery store without doing something. Like, I'm a constant billboard of everything that I've done, and I never felt like WWE really took advantage. They kind of uh, half-assed did it on some things. You know what I mean? And it was like, 
oh, maybe that's too much, let's pull back, that's too much, let's pull back, because this is not the direction that we want to go. Just like the whole angle with, with Hunter that one time, that the, the fans went crazy because Hunter and I got into a big look on the ramp, you know, when they were really doing the, um, that, uh, where they were running the company and all that stuff and screwing the guys over. And uh, just off a look, like the fans wanted to see it. So we built that up and all that, and then it, it never turned into a match. Mm. Like Hunter didn't want to wrestle me at SummerSlam, didn't want to put me over in a pay-per-view. You know, there's not going to be a match. You know, you'll get to knock me out, and that's the end of it. And that's what happened, where I'm thinking like, well, if this is created and this has this natural momentum, why wouldn't we go to a pay-per-view? Why wouldn't we go further with it to, uh, it would help my career, it would help my position, you know, and I don't care about winning. Hunter can drop me with the pedigree. I've never been, I don't care about that, mm-hmm. you know. I just, I want to tell good stories. And I think that's the the best way to describe it. I wanted to be involved in better stories and tell better stories. And I went from not being able to tell stories to turn into seven-foot enhancement talent. Mm. And that's what I was because I could work with anybody. I could get anybody over at sometimes even at the point where I was trying so hard to get other people over that it was taken away from what I could do because I'm not going to go out there and do all my moves just to get them in. There's a story. There's a psychology to it. It doesn't make sense. So you're trying to bring other people up and bring them along and, and, and focus them which is our business, and it's it's not real, and I understand that, but at the same time, a lot of those situations I was put in is because I was the only guy that could do it, that they had, that had any recognition, mm-hmm. that could give any, give any validity to what they were trying to build because they had run through so much talent and so, nobody was really, lack of a return, nobody was really over enough where they were in a position where they could give. So I got I got saddled with that. So, I mean, you know, it gave me job security for a while. So. Well, it, it's amazing to me, though, because it, it, they're so critically re- revered that Andre the Giant is in WWE and with Vince and, and you know Stephanie and Shane and the whole family. It's like they had a modern-day Andre and nothing against them. You, yeah, you were, but you're, I wasn't theirs. I wasn't you came theirs. From WCW. I came from WCW. But you were so young in the business. There was only three years Yeah, or so. but it, it doesn't matter because, I mean, like Jim Ross called me after Halloween Havoc and offered me double what WCW was paying me if I'd leave. Mm-hmm. And me not knowing any better, I just said, well, no. I said, I signed a contract here, so when it expires, I'll be happy to talk to you. Mm. You know, but I think, uh, and the thing is, is I tried really hard to come to WWE first. And then I got, you know, I wasn't trained. And Bob Collins, the famous joke with Bob Collins and I was, he he gave me a card and gave me the broom because I was messing up his autograph appearance because all the kids were coming up to me wanting to know who I was. (laughs) And I was screwing up his, his, his WWE ice cream party. So I got I got a card in the broom. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to go get trained. Right. So, you know. So talk more about you coming to AEW. But before we do, I did discover some pretty cool things with my family after I tried Ancestry DNA. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from. And Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover the personal stories. You might find a famous relative or maybe a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl or maybe evidence that someone on your family tree was a musician. Whatever you discover, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history and yourself. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. And you can order it right now at Ancestry.com slash Jericho. Ancestry can help you trace the path of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience. And I know, because like I mentioned, I've done it. I took the Ancestry DNA test. I had a great time sharing my results with my family. It made my kids more curious about where they came from. They started asking more questions about their relatives and their past. I've shared my results with my aunt and my goddaughter, Brittany, who have been our family historians for all these years. It's helped them figure out more about our family tree on both my mom's side and my dad's. Easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash Jericho. Get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Jericho. When Tony and I were talking about having you come in, and I said, it's so multifaceted. You can wrestle when the time is right. Personality, like you said, and you're doing commentary, we'll talk about that. But here's what I said. I said one of the biggest values of, of Paul 
is that he's like you mentioned the most recognizable one of the most recognizable right. you know pro wrestlers that's synonymous with WWE if he comes to AW perception is reality and also if we want to get a TV deal in freaking India who's on the show Paul White everyone knows yeah. it, that's currency well it, it's time well invested but that's the thing that's one of the things that attracted me uh, so much about coming here plus all my friends are here mm-hmm. you know, you're here Billy Gunn's here Arn Anderson's here mm-hmm. Cody's here Dustin's here you know, there's a lot of crew people that I knew in WWE that are actually here. That's true. There's crew people from WCW yeah. that I knew that are here. So for me, it was a chance because I needed a a restart. You know, after the last Raw that I did, that was just absolutely, uh, it was absolutely horrendous. You know, between let's talk about that. Well, I don't, I don't know what because I was going through contract negotiations then. So sometimes when you're going through contract negotiations with them, they'll try to, um, lack of a better term, they'll, they'll try to make things a little bit more awkward, difficult, or to prove a point, you know. And it's, it's, it's part of the psychology of the game, you know what I mean? And, and uh, so they wanted Randy Orton to pie-face me into a chair, which basically pushed me in the face and knocked me down. And... Uh, and then I'm supposed to just sit there in a the chair and take it. And I'm like, well, he's not going to shove me on his on my ass. I mean, no disrespect to Randy, but Randy knows he couldn't do it if I didn't want him to. <laughs> right. you know? Not a lot of and, people could. <laughs> you know, like, so to do something accordingly, yeah, Randy can put his hand on my chest and I'll sit down because I'm not going to fight Randy because he's trying to get in my head. You can always do that. Uh, story, even though it's the wrong story to tell with me. I mean, Randy put his hands on me, and all serious, a giant should have knocked him the hell out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. That would have been good business. But then to go to the ring and sit on the ramp on the stage with Hogan and Flair and and uh, uh, a lot a lot of Booker was out there, you know, like a lot of Hall of Fame and legends, and it's like they're really trying to shove me into this. They're trying to shove me down the road because yeah, they want to use my notoriety to do community work, to do overseas media to do all this stuff, they're taking my passion away from me. You know, they were taking wrestling away from me. And then they're to, you know, to sit there on the ramp and then, you know, get called a has-been while I sit there and watch a match. It's just, it's just, you talk so much about legends and respect for legends and respect for Hall of Famers. But like anytime Hall of Famers around, yeah. they, they get run into the ground. You know, and that's one of those kind of things where, you know, that machine is always moving forward. It's about, you know, moving forward and anything, any blood that they can get out of whatever stone it is, they're going to get that last drop, you know, until there's nothing left for anyone. The talent doesn't have anything left, you know, the fans don't have anything left for them, you know. And for me, that was just the icing on the cake where I'm like, you know, I need to restart. I need to rebrand myself. There was a couple of business deals that I tried to do with WWE and using my own brand. And uh, it was incredible to me after 20 years of building a, a brand because they own the intellectual property. I wanted to do it. And I, actually, I tell you the truth, I wanted, to build, I wanted to do a Big Show Burger. Big Show Burger? Big Show Burger. It would have been a half pound patty, no antibiotics, no hormones, you know, anywhere in the U.S. in 36 hours. You know, like a, like a like an online order. Yeah, you order it online. That's a great idea. It's great, humane, everything yeah. done properly. So I went to them to say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. I had it set up. I uh, reached out to Wolfgang Puck, and we were going to do a meatloaf together to to promote it on like an infomercial and stuff like that. Talk about Big Show Burgers, you know. And you would have thought that I was some guy that walked in off the street with the numbers that they hit me that they wanted me to to use a brand that I helped build. Wow. I mean, I mean, we're talking seven figures up front, 18 months later, another installment of seven figures, you know, like 30-something percent of profit. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. That's what they wanted wanted from you? From me. Yeah, they wanted me to cough up seven figures right off the bat. Then 18 oh months later, gosh. another seven figures. For what? I, it just killed the whole deal for me. I of just course. Because like, I wanted to do, like, my thing was, and this was before COVID, but I wanted to get um, uh, some food trucks, wrap them in Big Show Burger trucks, and then, you know, like at WrestleMania, you know, with fan access, I was going to cook burgers and sell them to fans <laughs> and help promote. 
I mean, you know the whole gimmick. It's fun to interact with the fans. It's fun TV. And here's the thing, you know, there's the Big Show Burger. But, you know, for whatever reason, the people that I were dealing with, and it's not one of those things like, you know, I could have gone to Vince and been like, hey, what the hell? Yeah. You know what I mean? But it just turned me off so bad and put things in real perspective. You know, I mean, I've been playing the Big Show for 20 years, but as far yeah. as they're concerned, that anybody could play the Big Show. Right. You know, not just Paul White, because they look at it like it's a, a Marvel character or a Disney character, and they own that intellectual property. And then I'm thinking about the prices they were hitting me with to do the Big Show Burger, you know, and I know I had done Honeycomb and I've done some other things over the years that weren't even remotely close to that kind of payoff. I'm just like, you know, I see the writing on the wall. So the writing on the wall was either A, we don't want you to do this. We don't want you to be successful. You know what I mean? Or, you know what, we see a chance here to to make a, a cash grab. You know well, what I mean? I, I, I just don't understand just, and the attitude was very, uh, very blase of, well, well, this is what it is. Like they're doing you a favor. Like they're doing me a favor. Right. It's like, you know, and there's so many instances over the years you have to look at, and that's that's okay because that's business. I get it. And the problem was is I put personal feelings and family and all that stuff that they say, oh, your family and all that. And when it comes down to the nuts and bolts, it's family when it suits them. Right. But when it doesn't suit them, it's business. So in all actuality, it's just business all the way around. And it's not a negative thing. Look, that's, you know, I know, I know people are probably going to think I'm bitching, and I'm really not. I'm just saying, like, there comes a point in, in a talent's life where you have to do what's best for yourself mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the, the financial dollar and all that kind of stuff. Not saying that I'm not making it great. I'm blown away by the, the deal that I got here. So somebody uh, named Chris Irvine must have put in a good word for me <laughs> because uh, – I'm blown away by uh, the ways Tony's treating me, AEW's treating me, uh, the deal that they've given me, the opportunity for me to do so many things between create shows and, and work with TNT and some other stuff. Like, there's a lot of big stuff happening now that is so surreal to me because a lot of those opportunities were denied to me before. Like, I just, I wasn't that wheelhouse. I wasn't John Cena. I wasn't Triple H. I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't who they wanted those opportunities for. Mm-hmm. I mean, years ago, I don't think I've ever told anyone this on air, but years ago, I had worked out for one of the Summer Slams in L.A. I had worked out with a very good friend who was working with Scooter Braun and Justin Bieber. And it was going to be John Cena, The Big Show, and Justin Bieber versus the Wyatts at SummerSlam. Mm. And this deal was really, like, this was a bit like Bieber was on board. He was excited. He wanted to, you know, uh, work out with John and I. Like, this was a really, really big deal. It's huge. And this is when that app first came out and all that other crap, you know. And then one of the people that are making decisions said, I just don't see how Justin Bieber's going to relate to our audience. <laughs> and it's like. Does anyone not see the amount of eyes that Justin Bieber would bring right. to that match? You know, and uh, I think WWE offered to help promote his album or something. You're dealing with Scooter Braun. Right. Scooter Braun's all about cash, and they, you know, they jacked Scooter around for about two weeks. And Scooter's like, "Listen, it's not going to happen. I got the kid a million dollars to watch a soccer game, and they're flying down in a private jet." Yeah. You know, like, I, I had just a quick second. I had uh, the Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers had done a bunch of stuff with Will Ferrell because, you know, they look exactly the same. Right. And they had done a drum-off in L.A., and they wanted to do something for charity at WrestleMania. And they were like, well, you have to understand, we don't really pay guys. I said, this is Will Ferrell. Yeah. Like, it's, hey, dudes, it's Will Ferrell. If you had Will Ferrell and Chad Smith in a whatever, right. face-off, you know, put them in a, a tag team match, whatever, like, you could do a million things. Will Ferrell in WWE on WrestleMania would make a difference. Of course But we would. don't really pay our celebrities. Well, well then you guys are idiots because he wants to do it. All he wants to do is have a good donation for his charity. Right. It's not like the money is going to him. It's donating right. to charity. So Flip it's, the 500 grand to Will Ferrell's charity and get him on the show and have have that recognition. Right. You but know, they wouldn't do it. No, it's, it's weird how that mentality works sometimes because you get put in a box and you know that as a talent, you bring ideas and it's not going to happen. Yeah. 
And then other things will happen. You'd be like, how the hell did that happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's just the way the, the, the ball bounces sometimes. Well, that's the system there. And, and when you work there, you get used to because once again, then this this is not speaking from any sort of bitterness or anything. It's just the way it is. It's the WWE system. They're very successful. You're that, always going to be that mule chasing. It's that never going to change. That's yeah. just the way it is. It's the way it is. It's done by design. You either learn to become a gear in the cog in the machine, and, or you don't fit in and you're not there. You know. But it, what's funny is, is if you you don't really realize you're a gear in the cog because you're fighting so hard. You're fighting for everything. You're fighting for position. You're fighting for, you know, uh, back in the day, you used to fight for payoffs and stuff like yeah. that for pay-per-views <laughs> and positions on the card because it made a difference whether you're on first or whether you're on before intermission or after intermission. Like, all those things were, were weighed in. So you keep an environment of turmoil amongst the talent. And while the talent's fighting with each other, you know what I mean, then the guys in charge can do whatever. You know what I mean? Because how many times? You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a great system, and how they will change the narrative so that it's it's you that needs them, and they're doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. They use keywords like honor and and family, family, and loyalty, yeah, yeah, loyalty. You know, and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, if something happens, you'll get dropped like a hot rock. Well, like the way I always said it too is like you know, like uh, like WWE made me a lot of money. Guys will say, yeah, and I made WWE a lot of money in return. True, yeah. You know, just as much as what with a fraction of what we made them is what we got paid. Well, and that's it's, fine. It's that's funny. Fine. I was talking to JJ Dillon, uh, who I love for yeah. a long time, you know, and uh, I told JJ, and I, I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm not mad. I, I said, uh, they gave me a lot of money. And JJ says, no, you earned yes. a lot of money. And it's a different, it's a different attitude, but my whole thing is, is I'm chill. Like, there's no, my, I sleep good at night. I sleep better now than I ever have. You know, because my, my WWE stuff is done. Yeah. I went through that. I did that. And now I have this incredible opportunity to to not be shipped off to Shady Pines. <laughs> I get to do some color commentating, which I'm super excited about. And, uh, you know, and then I get to wrestle and, and work into uh, a program if it comes along that's, that's, that's worthy of me being a part of. And I can contribute in that for AEW. Well, and that's the thing. That's another thing I said to Tony. We can use show uh, Paul at this point as an attraction yeah. the way you should be used. You don't have to be wrestling every week. No, but I when shouldn't it, be on TV every. But, I shouldn't have been. But when you but when you do finally show up to wrestle, that mean makes something. Ma- means something. No. You know. And then I can bring all the tools of the table that I have to help make it mean something. But you know, if it's on TV, you know, every night, every week, yeah. every week, or sometimes I was working. Raw and SmackDown twice a week. Sometimes two matches on Raw and two matches on SmackDown yeah. some weeks, you know, that uh, it becomes too much. You're not special anymore. We're going to talk about what it was like for you to walk away from the WWE after 23 years. I know the feeling, but before we do, I got to talk about how easy it is to buy a diamond when you let our friends at Steven Singer Jewelers help you out. We love Steven Singer here on Talk is Jericho. He's a former guest a few times. And his famous gold dip roses and his jewelry. We love it all. And, of course, the great prices he offers. It's probably why his competition hates him so much. Steven makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better and easier. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price always. I mean, have you ever wondered if you're really getting the best price? Are you uh, uncomfortable negotiating? You just don't like haggling or trying to make a deal? If that's the case, then head to Steven Singer Jewelers because you won't have to negotiate or haggle. You'll just get the perfect price, period. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. And here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down so that you feel that you're getting a great deal. And do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on that kind of pricing and your negotiating skills? It's not going to be the case with Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you are guaranteed to get the perfect price all day Every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Just check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or buy online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Was it hard for you to, to actually take that step to walk away? I was brutal. Because we, we did it before uh, in 1999 with WCW. I, I did it, yeah, we left WCW, but you and I both knew that boat was sinking. Yeah. You could feel that 
that oppressive, like, wow, this is, this is not the yeah. place to be, you know? And, and to that point, when you and I went to WWE, um, it was radically different because you saw so much potential. If you could get, if you could get your act together and get in the right place and the right positioning, you were going to be a big star and you were going to make a ton of money. The payoffs, yeah. Yeah, the payoffs were huge. I mean, you know, like, you know, it was, we knew when to get off. And that's where the things have turned for WWE too because I don't think, you know, the payoffs aren't there like they used to be, mm. you know. The, the pro, of course, everything's changed during COVID, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, WWE is doing really well now, you know, but I don't know if even these younger guys know really what they should be getting yeah, what paid that means, for right. what they're doing. Does that make sense? It sure does. It sure you know, does. I wonder sometimes, and it's like, you know, I mean, who knows? Some of them might be doing really well, and, and that's my thing. I've never begrudged anybody for doing well or making money. Mm-hmm. I've never begrudged that, never been jealous of that, because if they did well, then that means I can do well too. I just got to work hard. I might have to work harder. I might have to hunt harder for an opportunity, but the opportunity is there. Right. And when that opportunity is blatantly taken away from you, you said, you'll never do this, you'll never do that. Well, that's a little disheartening, you know, and then. But you said it was brutal to actually leave there. It was brutal to actually leave because you do have friends and it's, and you do have family because you've got people you spent over 20 plus years with. You have relationships, you have like people you look forward to seeing. And, and then you have to know that like, look, yeah, I, I have to leave. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, there's nothing here for me to do anymore mm-hmm. except go in a direction that I'm not ready to go in. You know, I, and I didn't want to be a Sergeant Slaughter, no offense to Sarge, but I didn't want to be a Sergeant Slaughter that come around that did the golf tournaments that, you know, I mean, at one time, Sergeant Slaughter was one of the biggest stars in the business. Absolutely. He sold more action figures than G.I. Joe than, yep. he sold more action figures like Barbie or something like that. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, but everybody has their own thing of what they're comfortable with and what they're happy with. You know, my thing is, is I got pulled out when I got hurt. And, uh, cause you know, I was working with Braun and my hip joint looked like a bowling ball with the holes in it. You know, <laughs> I had a chance to unplug a little bit with that and step away from it and start realizing that, you know, I need to find something that makes me happy, you know? And I had a good, I had a good time filming the big show show. Mm-hmm. That was a great, believe it or not, that was a great confidence booster for me. Well, that's huge. You're the star of your own Netflix show. show. I mean, I didn't get to negotiate what I made for it. I didn't even have my own parking spot, but that's... Was that a WWE deal? Of course it was. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Parking spot. Yeah, I had to park in the the visitor lot, and they would come get me in my own golf cart, like, you know. The the show says my name in the title. It says my name on it, but Dr. Phil had a parking... And actually, Dr. (laughs) Phil had a parking spot in front of one of the buildings that I rented, because we did stay... It's 25 and 26, not me, but Netflix and WWE, but, you know, they were like, you know, you can't have a drive on. I'm like, thanks. You know, like... Classic, right? Classic. Like, here's this great opportunity. You're going to do fantastic, and but just remember who you are. That's right. Just remember where your place is, you know, so... But, you know, it was great confidence booster for me because it was something way out of way out of my comfort level, but it was something I knew I could do. It's something I wanted to do. And, and um, you got great comedic timing, though, so it wasn't a surprise for me. Well, I, thank you. But for me, it was nerve wracking. I you got know, it. It was nerve wracking. And then to do it, and you know what? For a first season, everything we did, I'm very happy with it. I got three new daughters in my life now. <laughs> you know, like I still stay in touch with the girls. I stay in touch with Allison, you know. Is um, that something you might do more of? I think so. I've actually, I'm actually kicking around with a, a writer buddy of mine now of putting a show together, um, but a different kind of show. Oh, so the Big Show show is done at this point? Well, yeah, Big Show, we didn't get renewed by Netflix. Gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, and that was a partnership deal with Netflix and WWE, and that's one of those kind of things where I think um, if uh, um, things would have been different in timing, because, you know, we really didn't get to promote it. WWE was supposed to really promote it, and but they were on a mad panic to figure out where to put WrestleMania and COVID and right. all this other stuff. I mean, we had a billboard in Times Square, but Times Square was shut nobody down saw it, yeah. COVID. Like nobody saw it. Like, but I'm still grateful for all the people that come up and thank me. And I've got a whole new demographic now from, from eight to 14 year old girls who love me as a dad on the show. So that's a whole new, cause I have girls now, the younger girls that are fans, which I never really had. Mm-hmm. I had boys and I had, you know, older women and older men and stuff like that, you know, but I never had the young, the young girl fan yeah. following and, and that show 
uh, help create a new audience for me and a new demographic. So, so when you you uh, had you been watching AEW, keeping an eye on what's going on when you started thinking about maybe I might leave? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was watching up. Well, I always kept up with what you were doing and Cody was doing, and I would send you guys. You know, text every now and then. When we were guys, trying to get you to come to the show in Miami last year. Right? Uh, yeah, I know. Your best were, was there. Your wife was there. Yeah, yeah, I know you guys were there, and I was like, eh, <laughs> that might be, uh, yeah. it might be too much. I told Best, I said, if if he wants a raise, tell him to come down here and take a picture with me. He'll get a raise the next day. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was the funny thing. But even if, even if they would have offered more money, it's just it's just a point where yeah, there's nothing there for me to do. Yeah. To sell out would have been to take more money and stay, yeah. because I would have been giving up on a lot of passion, you know. And um, it comes a point, in, you know, especially in our lives, we've done well enough that you know we're we're able to put groceries in the fridge and the pantry's full. So, right, you know, we're blessed, and I'm grateful for that. But now it's finding a place where um, my expertise and my talent is is going to be used, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that is uh it means everything at the point right now you know because i still want to wrestle i'm already in my head and i know you do this because this is an old timer thing i'm driving down the road i've already had matches in my head with darby <laughs> allen i've already had matches in my head you know with, with lance you know what i mean and and like that i've had matches in my head with cody even though i've already wrestled cody before and you and, and kenny like and, and mox like different scenarios because that's what you do when when your creative mind is the right place and you're thinking about pro wrestling in a positive way, that's fun to do. Yeah. You know, but when you're in an environment like I was, it wasn't fun for me to think about wrestling. I didn't want to watch Raw. I didn't want to watch SmackDown. Right. You know, like, I, I, didn't I want think, to do I think it. a lot of guys that you mentioned will probably, when you do work with them, will be very pleasantly surprised just how, I hope so. How good you can be, how good you are. I hope so. Because I, I think a lot so. of people didn't get a chance to see that, especially when you talk about the last five years, for example. Very yeah. sporadic appearances. Very, once in a while I got to run, like I got to have some really good matches with Braun. Like we did those three matches that were three pay per view matches that should have been on a pay per view and they were all on Raw. They were free. Right. But again, they're on Raw. I don't even get paid. Man, we didn't get paid to do Raw. That's remember? right. Yeah. <laughs> TVs are free unless you work the dark after Raw. Then you got. <laughs> then it was anywhere, you know. Then it was a yeah. slight bump. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So before we find out whether you had a conversation with Vince before you left WWE, let me say thank you to another great talk is Jericho sponsor NetSuite. If you're a business owner, you know that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than you have to. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and the old software that you've outgrown. Upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. It's everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Whether you be doing one million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Jericho. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Jericho. That's netsuite.com slash Jericho. Did you end up having a conversation with Vince before you left or did you after? Uh, no, or? I actually didn't. Um, Vince and I didn't talk. I dealt with Mark Carano and uh, we went back and forth a little bit and I just, I wanted to leave and um, that was that. I just, the the money was was okay. Uh, the the terms, the years was a little, little light, you know. Uh, it felt more like they weren't looking at me as, as a talent. They wanted to invest in again. They looked at it as something disposable. Hold on. Oh, yeah. yeah, when they give you a year, they offer you a year. Mm-hmm. That's like, well, that's you're not investing too much in me for because a year goes right. by pretty quick. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And that the writing's on the wall. You know that they're moving on, and I need to too. So when I came over here to AEW and we finally made the announcement, um, you know, actually Vince called me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was the first time I'd spoken to him in six months. Wow. Because the TVs that I went to before, um, you know, he was unavailable or he wasn't there, and I really just didn't get a chance to sit down and talk to him, you know. And uh, and I knew the writing changed for me and Vince uh, in our relationship. For for years, I was always show. 
you know, in the last year, it's been Paul. Mm. So that's a subtle thing in mm. his mind where, you know, he's already shipping me off to Shady Pines. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it's the hard. The show is his creation and Paul's just the guy, right? Paul's just yeah. the guy. Paul's his friend that, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, there's there's no animosity, there's no heat there at all. Like he called me and and uh, what did he say? Uh, he said congratulations. You know, he said just, you're going to do fantastic over there. You're really going to help their company, and you have a lot to help here. Like it was a really good. That's uh, cool. Yeah. yeah, it was a very classy, classy move. You know. Well, you guys had such a long relationship. We you, do have you a long relationship. I think that's one of the things that hurts a lot because. Uh, I've been through so many things with him. Like my first media training when I first went to WWE, I was in a limo with Vince in New York doing radio stations with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was on my media day. Yeah. You know, so I learned about so many things and that knowledge that you get for him that, you know, if you spend any time around him, the dude is brilliant, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, we've had a lot of good times, all the trips to Iraq and Afghanistan. He always took you to Iraq. We were always fun. I yeah. mean, you know, it was one of those kind of things. And it was always good seeing him in that environment because you got to see that that alone time with Vince, you got to see Vince. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah the guy. Not the not the chairman of the board and all that other horse shit that he has to do. Like Vince will step on your shoe and say flat tire. I mean, what are we, in eighth grade? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, he'll short sheet my bed. You know what I mean? I got to get in my bed in my bunk in Iraq and the, the bed short sheeted, you know? <laughs> Uh, one night he turned the heater on in my room, you know, cause you know, I hate being hot. Right. So we're gone all day. We come back that night. I walk into my room and it's, it's hot in the desert and I'm ready for this ice cold room and it's a hundred degrees and he walks by something wrong with your heater, pal. And you're like, come on, really? Come on, man. Like we're, you know, we've been going 15 hours, man. Yeah. We've had five helicopter rides, you know? <laughs> We've met over 7,000 troops today. Like, I just want my room to be cold. And, and he just loves that stuff. You know? Do you remember when we went that one year? Oh, he popped my mattress? We, we were in Saddam Hussein's castle, and they built that giant bed for you. Yeah. Do you remember that? And then that's when you had to wear that mask because you had sleep apnea sleep or something. Apnea, yeah. It was like summer camp where like, all the, the, the fat kids over there can't breathe on that giant bed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yes. And that bed was like Mount Olympus. <laughs> to get up there. Like it was up to your shoulder. <laughs> you know? Like I, like I was scared I was going to get out of bed in the middle of the night and break my neck <laughs> yeah. falling off. I'm like, how big do these guys think I am? <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the time we flew over on the uh, on the uh, C17 and I had bought a, a mattress oh. from uh, the the Dick Sporting Goods and I was, <laughs> was going to put a place back there cuz I don't fit in the to sleep on the floor of the I was plane sleep on yeah. the floor of the plane blow up my air mattress I'll be comfortable cuz I don't fit in the little chairs or yeah. anything like that I get to sleep about an hour just to, you start to get that real comfortable sleep the sleeping bags over you you're good all of a sudden like that and i look up something happened to your mattress pal like <laughs> like he's such a bully like i know a total frat house bully right yeah just it's a like frat house bully ogre in revenge of the nerds <laughs> yes he is yes he is i stayed up on one of those flights one time i was gonna stay as wake as as long as he did we were together and you know the entire trip he never closed his eyes he worked the whole time yeah. he hates it when people see him sleeping yeah he won't sleep yeah yeah yeah. I took a picture of him sleeping on one of those trips, and I showed oh, yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, you actually do sleep. He didn't laugh. He didn't smile. He said, delete that now. And I was like, okay, yeah. crazy man. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> he didn't find it funny. No, he did not find it funny. But so, you know what? But that's that same that same insanity is what's driven him and, and built an incredible company. No, but so. it's cool that he called you. Like you said, that was a classic. No, it, it meant a lot to me personally because, you know, it and there is a time when, you know, business is business, and you have to move on with the he product. He knows that. Uh, he gets it, and I get it too. But I appreciate the call. Yeah. So, so let's nice. talk about about our, about our new boss, Tony Khan. What was the, the, the talks like with him? Uh, it was it was really interesting because I started talking to Tony uh, after my contract expired because I waited until I was done with WWE before yeah. I reached out. I needed to make it clear to Tony because there were things in the past where people would try to come over here and then they would go back. To, you know, I wanted Tony to know. Should that, try to start a bidding war. Yeah, that that my intent was I was coming here and I wanted to be here and uh, if it worked out with him and I, you know, but I was free in the clear to come here and I wasn't playing a, a bidding war game. And uh, I think uh, the first time we talked on the phone, we probably talked for three hours about wrestling and psychology and 
it was really interesting to to talk to someone who who is also very knowledgeable and has an incredible database in his brain yeah. of everything that's happened, but also understands what I'm saying when I talk psychology and what I think and what I can contribute. And, you know, I just, you know, we just had a great time uh, chatting and we talked probably three or four times on the phone for, you know, a couple hours at a time. And then I drove up on a Wednesday afternoon. I believe I drove up on a Wednesday afternoon. It was real quiet. You guys had taped the week before, and uh, him and I watched uh, Dynamite in the office, and <laughs> right on, yeah, ordered out some Mortons, and that's cool, you know. And we uh, we did my deal in about fifteen minutes. That's great. That was it. It was just you know terms were fair, everything was good. I was comfortable and secure. We shook hands, and that was that. And he sent the contract over. Like it was literally. I think the easiest contract negotiation I've ever done in my life because I've, you know, would for so long, I've had to be so paranoid with everything. This had to be done because if you took something for granted and you went, Hey, this, well, it's not in your contract, pal. You know what I mean? So like, and then with Tony, like I had every single question I had was answered, was already thought of already taken care of. And, and that's a scary feeling too, because you're like, you know, you're still waiting for that, Shoot a drop. <laughs> that shoot a drop. Something to happen. Like, you know, you know, and, and so far it's just been my first night when I came out uh, and um, talked about just before um, Revolution, the pay-per-view, I said the wrong pay-per-view name. Okay. I Evolution. Said Evolution. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, nobody said a word to me. I didn't find out till the next day that I mm-hmm. said the wrong. When I was watching it at home, I went, holy shit, the pay-per-view's Revolution. <laughs> like, you know, but you know, if I would have made that mistake... In WWE, you know, I would have had to go back out and apologize and say revolution, you know. <laughs> and but, you also would have been given that entire promo written out for you. I guarantee that probably no one even told you what to say. No, no. A, a bullet point. No, no, yeah, that was it. And just, you know, that was it. And Tony said that we're going to, I want you to let everybody know that we're having a big star come out uh, mm-hmm. Sunday at, at Revolution Pay-Per-View, you know. But I just, and I, and I had talked to Tony, I said, hey man, sorry, he says, don't worry about it, it's fine. Yeah, you know, the point got across. Everybody knew what you were talking about. It. Don't worry about it. You know, it's funny because the very first time we were in Daly's place, we had a a, a, you know pre-COVID five thousand people here, and I had a promo to do. It was on some kind of a special that we did, like a fight for the fallen or something that we called it. And it was the first promo I had done in twenty years on TV that had no script or writer working with me or whatever. And I remember thinking, like, okay. People say you're a good promo. Now you got to prove it. Do you, prove re- it. do you remember how to do this? And went out there and just did the promo. And after, I felt so liberated afterwards, like live without a net, have a little bit of an idea where I want to go with it. Right. But that was it. Nobody yep. knew what I was going to say. Nobody second guessed it, third guessed it, 15th guessed it. And it was awesome. And they didn't take the energy out of it. That's exactly the thing right. Like it used to drive me nuts doing promos in WWE because I had a guy that's five foot eight writing a promo for me right. who doesn't understand what it's like to be a giant. And a chairman of the board who thinks I should tell everyone how tall I am and how much I weigh every, every time. time. Yeah, I'm seven foot tall. I'm five hundred. Like I know how big I am. <laughs> I just sound like a dumbass because yeah. I got to remind everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, there's a psychology of it. It's repetitive. Act like everybody's brand new to the show. I understand all that business in it. But as a talent, when you're cutting promos, and I didn't cut nowhere. I didn't cut anywhere near the amount of promos that you did. You know, for some reason, I, I, I they didn't like the way I talked or something. So um, I didn't cut that many promos. Um, but still, I never got a chance to put any flavor on it, to put any style on be it. Be yourself. Put, to be myself. Yeah. Because it was all written out for me. I had to do this, this, and this, 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 and this. And God forbid if it wasn't executed like it was written. Right. You know, because you go in and then you get the, you know. Well, even when you first came out and you said, did you see this turn coming? Yeah. Great line. And he said, when I was, what do you say? When I had hair and lots of, when I had long hair and a bright future, bright future. Like yeah. that's funny. That's, but that's, that's and that's so you too. It is me. And yeah. I got to be me. Yeah. Granted, it's not, you know, what people are used to seeing as the big show. Like Vince used to give me grief all the time. So you're being Paul. I don't want Paul. I want big show. And it's like, okay. Yeah, but then but, they would have you come out as show a mania dressed as Hulk Hogan. Like what the f- does that even mean? Well, that was, that was, that was, um, that was just because, they didn't know what the f*** to do. Right. Well, that's my point. You're yeah. being too much big show, too much Paul. Like, well, what is the big show? Is yeah. it a killer? Is it a comedy guy? Yeah. Is it a combination? Let well, me know and I'll do it. Know, we know what Paul is. Paul is a fun-loving, yeah. 
jokester who's loves to give people shit, loves to get shit back until I get pissed off. And then I'm a, you know, I'm a 900 pound gorilla in your midst. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, they lock the doors in some overseas airport and we can't get in. I'll, I'll happily kick the door down. You know, you might want to come open the door while you still got one. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're going to be doing color commentary for AEW. I want to talk about that. But first, I want to say thank you to Indeed.com for sponsoring this episode of Talk is Jericho. Hiring is one of those things you do not want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your business to the next level. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly so you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you a full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. And with Indeed, there's no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all of the job sites combined according to Talent Nest. So if you want your quality shortlist fast, you need Indeed. Right now, you get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Jericho. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Jericho. That's Indeed.com slash Jericho. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. How did you feel when Tony first had the idea to, for you to do color commentary? Uh, thrilled because that's what we talked about in our meeting. Because Tony was really receptive about having me here, really out of, which was overwhelming and humbling, but for my mind. You know what I mean? And then, well, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? I said, well, you know, I definitely want to wrestle. I said, but I've always wanted to do color commentary. Okay. And he said, that's fantastic. I think you'd be great at it. Uh, you know, and he gave me the opportunity to head up Elevation with Tony Schiavone that night. So that was one of the things like, oh, you want to do coming? I've got a place for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like right away, he he had a vision from just us talking on the phone those few times before. He had a vision of, of already has a vision of, of what I can do and, and is confident in me to carry that off. So he, He's really good at that, thinking of different angles of things. Because when I heard color commentary, it's something that I had never, ever once thought of you doing. And as soon as he told me that you were doing it, I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. He'll be great at it for the same reasons that we just discussed. Well, it's going to be fun for me because like, my favorite color commentators back in the day, number one, my favorite of all time has always been Gordon Soley. Mm. Then you go to Jesse Ventura. You right. go to Gorilla Monsoon. Um, even Vince in, in some of his days, Vince was a great color. Great. Con- he was amazing yep. at it. You know what I mean? And and trying to take that the wrestling knowledge. I mean, I've been around four decades. I wrestled pretty much anybody that's ever been anybody in this business. I've worked with, and I'm pretty blessed for that and that's grateful true, for man. that. You know, so bringing that experience out, not to get myself over, because I got a microphone. You get the talent in the ring over. Mm-hmm. To help them, because a lot of times when I hear, you know, commentating nowadays, it's, you know, they're all little jokes or excerpts on how funny they are, or they think to be entertaining, they got to bash the guy next to them, you know, I don't give a fuck about the commentators. Tell me about the talent in the ring. Tell me about them. Tell me, give me your insight as to why they made that decision there. What was the talent thinking? You know what I mean? How do you get that talent over where you can get people to understand in the talent's mindset maybe why they made this decision? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a desperation. It's easy for us to call the shots out here. It's completely different in the heat of the fire. You know, that kind of a thing. And help do your job on commentating is to help get the talent in the ring over. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully I can, uh, I can pull that off. And plus, it's great for me to sit that close, to watch those matches, to understand those talents, because I'll talk to the talent before the show on their matches, and I'll get a chance to basically interview these guys to prepare for my job that night. So when it comes time, when I start wrestling, if I start working with these guys, I'll already know them. Yeah. Because in WWE, I'd been there so long, I could work with anybody because I was established for so long. Right. I was there when they got there. I had seen him on the live events working. I knew what we were doing with him creatively. So but my job was easy working with him by the time they got to me. 
this is what I'm trying to do to prepare for coming up pretty soon. Well, it's one of those things. The, 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 there's two things you can't teach. One is how to be a giant, which you right. are. And the other one, more importantly, in a lot of ways, is experience. And having that 25-plus years, I mean, that's one thing in our locker room. It's a very young locker yeah. room in a lot of ways. Like when I when we first started, I, Dustin and I were the two guys that had even live TV experience. I mean, Cody yeah. had some too, but it was very much yeah. – uh, uh, we have to now basically train a whole locker room of guys, even Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and those guys, they hadn't really done live TV before. Yeah. So to have a guy like you who's been through the wire and headlined WrestleManias and opened up WrestleManias and everything in between, mm-hmm. that's invaluable once again. Well, that's one of the things I think I can help them with because I can help them uncomplicate it. Because sometimes they get so much input from so many sources, and I know because I was there in the beginning, it becomes a bit overwhelming. Right. So... Explain it in such a way so that talent understands, relax, have fun, be you, mm-hmm. you know? And if you can figure out who you are through trial and error, because it's trial and error for all of us, this business opens up and there's nothing you will do that will be as fun as being in that ring in front of a live crowd, just completely tearing the house down when that crowd is hooked on every single mm-hmm. thing you do. There's no better feeling in the world. There's no better feeling. As we start to wind down here, how was it for you when you first came in? Were you a little nervous when you walked in the back? Nervous. I was a new kid on campus. Yeah, that's I was. Right. Yeah. I was the new. I was there new, and I made sure that I shook every single person's hand. All the stuff that I never had to do in WWE for years because they had to come shake my hand. Right, right. Now I'm the new kid. That's classy, though, man. These people respect that. Well, you. Sh- I wasn't going to come here. My big thing is like you know, like they offered to get me a dressing room and all these other things, you know, and. I don't ask for any of that because I'm not coming in here to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to uh, contribute. I want to work with everybody. I want to get myself over. I'm building a new brand. We're building the Paul White brand, whatever that turns into. We're building the Paul White brand. We're building the AEW brand. And I want to build the talent around me. So my thing is I want everyone to be accessible to me. You know, and that's my thing. I don't, you know, male, female, um, you know, by gender, you know, whatever it is, come talk to me. If it's wrestling psychology, my door is always open. Mm-hmm. If something sucks, I'm going to tell you. What did you think of the backstage environment in comparison? Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible because it feels like what you want. It's supportive and the hunger is palpable, if that makes any sense. But the hunger is palpable for everyone to succeed, not just themselves that's the difference it's not like you know when we would do matches in WWE and only and you'd come through the curtain and nobody would say shit right because <laughs> they didn't want to put you over that's right a couple of your buddies would come up and say hi and say good job and stuff like that but you didn't get the group thing and that was that way for a long time Absolutely. towards the end you know when when I was the old guy on the roster it got a lot more supportive when we were doing those shows and everybody was working with everybody and stuff like that but when I first got there, nobody put anybody over when they came through the back. Well, they would never say a word. That used to drive me f- crazy. Like, yeah. come on. You really? can't tell somebody had a good match. Yeah, is that that's, f- insecure? That's, that's the thing in here. Like, we, this is, and being in this biz for 30 years, this is a real team. And I think that's one of the reasons for it is because Tony builds teams. Yeah. He built the Jacksonville Jaguars. He built the Fulham Football Club, right. which went from the, the one league to the Premier League which is one of the hugest things you could do. He built yeah, that he's, roster. He's tied in the top right now. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's big money, and it's a big deal. He's built our team, the AW team, similar way. You've got the vets that can teach. You've got, and they can still go. You've got the guys in their prime. You've got the rookies with huge potential. And we've got a great kind of minor league system of people that are ready to go as well. Right. So it's, it's, it's really a team He's atmosphere. He's done a great job, and that's, and that's what you see here. And that, for me, is, is exciting and worth its weight in gold. You know, I love the no more BS catchphrase, Paul, and we'll get into that. But first, I want to say a quick thank you to Geico for supporting Talk is Jericho. I know all you guys listening either own or rent your own homes. I know it's hard work, but you know it's really easy. Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy, and that's a good thing because you already got so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That is geico.com. Go check it out now. I love the uh, no more BS catchphrase. That's a great idea. 
That Thank just popped in your head? Yeah, that's uh, it seemed apropos because you're trying to think. Like, I never got merch. Right. You know, I pay you to uh, sell tickets, not sell merch. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you're not a merchandise guy. Well, yeah, I'm working. What does that mean? Like, I'm the one that's making John Cena look good. Can I have a shirt too? Like, you know, (laughs) you know, but you know, that's, but that's the kind of things, you know, you take those lumps and you, oh, okay. And you, you know, you roll on. Accept it. Yeah. You accept it because that's, it's written on the wall. It's written in stone. That's the way it is. You know. Last few questions. Who here? I mean, you mentioned a few guys, but, but these are some guys that you're really excited to work with. My number one pick right now, and I don't know if it'll work out because I'd have to be a heel, but if I get to be a heel at some point, Darby Allen. Mm. I'm just a huge fan of his presence and character in the ring. And uh, as a babyface, I want to work with Kenny. Mm. Without a doubt, because Kenny's got that fire. Uh, Hangman Adam Page, I like a lot too. He's got a good get up and go. Um but Kenny, I see a lot of stuff in Kenny that like he's that aggressive, nasty heel that I could sell for and have a lot of fun with. Um, I suggested that was the suggestion I made to Tony because Kenny's a guy who works all styles, but he works a lot of guys his size. Hmm. To work with you, I think would really challenge him in the best possible way. Best possible way, and we put the right thing together, we could tear the house down. I tell you another guy that this might sound crazy who I could tear the house down with also is Ray Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I used to have all those good matches with, with Ray. With Ray Mysterio, yeah. So so Phoenix and I, I have no doubts in my mind because I, I could, we could just really rock the friggin' house. So, but you know, then there are other guys that, you know, that I'm getting to learn to know and stuff like Lance right now, Lance Archer's got that big, aggressive, nasty heel yes. thing going. And I think him and I could do really well together. I could buy him really hurting you. You could by buy his him style hurting me. Um, yeah, even Cage after the mm-hmm. the match he had with Sting and stuff like, I'm looking at him I'm like, dude, in that thing you look like the Hulk mm-hmm. back there, you know. So I can see him also being one that could, you know, really inflict some damage to a knee or something like that, you know, to put me in a vulnerable position. And it would be believable if a Brian if a Cage body slammed me or. Or something like that mm-hmm. when the time's right, you know. And uh, Luchasaurus, I li- he's got one hell of a spinning back kick. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger guy mm-hmm. that's got a kick that nice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there's some things I'd love to work with him on. And well, He's and- a guy when he came in, I said, we need you to be a big guy. Because yeah. this is pre-Lance Archer. We didn't have a lot of big guys. It's like, right. I understand you've been working with all smaller guys, but we need you to be a big guy. Right. Less leaving your feet and more just kicking guys' asses, and he's right. slowly getting it. You know, he's getting, he's getting. There's, there's a lot of insights, and and uh, I can I can help him with some with some to help to avoid some pitfalls that you get into working that way. Right, where he can really accentuate that his size and presence and and, and more credibility. Mm. You know what I mean? And that and that's just experience helping somebody else out. That's all that is. You know, once it, once he gets a little feel for that. You know, I think he'll come along real nice. Last two questions for you. First one, uh, you had so many classic matches in WWE. Uh, <laughs> is there one that stands out for you that you think, oh, that's one of my favorites? Um, I love the matches I did with Braun. My f- one of my favorite feuds as a singles is definitely my feud with Seamus. You know, because Seamus? Yeah, we just, I used to be covered in bruises. He works tough, yeah. Like, I mean, and he doesn't bitch about it. He works tough right back. He can work tough, and that's fine with me. <laughs> I'm as snug as as you are. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can work very light. You don't even know I'm there. If you want to get snug, well, I'll get snug too. I tend to work a little bit more aggressive as a heel. I tend to work a little bit more snug. But uh, with, with Seamus, it was nice to, to be uh, in that kind of a fight. Like, we got to do a lot of things that I didn't get to do with some other guys. You know, um, the feuds I had with Lesnar, you know, were always great. great. Classic and, stuff. You know, and... John Cena, mm. you know, John Cena and I were all over the world. We used to laugh like every six months, you know, John and I would have a couple week run together Somewhere, and then we'd yeah. work like, you know, six, eight weeks in the house shows and well, against it's a, it's each a, other. It's a, it's a money-making main event if it's you go to any Any, any country. We did it all over the world and we did it in China. We did it South Africa, everywhere. So it was always, uh, it was always fun working with John because it was no headache. John was going to hit me with three punches hit the ropes, take a shoulder tackle, and sell to the finish. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he would come alive here and there, but he got working with me, and it was so easy 
He made me the giant, and he was the. It's not. It's not hard to do. It's not hard. You're you, the giant. That's easy. If you do that, then I'll do my part, and we'll tell a great story. Yeah. You know. Last question for you: What's your favorite uh, Jericho Big Show uh, moment? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, dude! We've had so many, but the one that always makes me laugh uh, is the bickering that you and I would do. <laughs> Where we were such a close tag team, like other guys would think we were hot, but we were just right. bickering like an old married couple. <laughs> and I remember we were in Europe, and I was dressing like right next to the card, but I was asking you when we were on the card, and you didn't want to get up across the room because the card was right next to me. You're like, it's right there. Read the card. I said, I left my glasses. I said, I don't have my glasses. Well, then put your glasses on yeah the glass on top of your head put your glasses on yeah and put like your glasses on edith you know yeah, and everybody's looking at us like you know are these guys gonna fight you know um, my my all-time favorite is that christmas thing where you where i dressed oh, up as santa yeah. and i sat on your lap and uh asked uh, you asked if you could have your tag team partner back and then we had all those little people come out and it was just this big freak show weird throwing little guys yeah. around and yeah, that was fun. Beating we we had swoggle. so much fun. But, you know, I don't think if people realized when we were tagging, I never made one pinfall. Yeah, that's right. I never did. But you always caused it. I always caused yeah. it. And that was why we were such a good team yeah. because, you know, you were the uh, the energetic one that ran the mouth. And then there I was where I needed to be. And it just worked. Jer's show uh, is definitely my favorite tag team for that. Plus, for me, let's be honest. Um, you were so detailed oriented on everything in the match that my job was easy. You're like, okay, you're going to be a giant. And then you would go after everything mm -hmm. else to make sure the match was done appropriately. Mm -hmm. People did this and did that, you know, and if they weren't selling right in the match, you would yell at them from the apron. <laughs> 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 but I loved it. But that, that was the easiest tag team uh, I ever, I think I ever worked with. And I had fun with, uh, had fun with Kane uh, Randy Orton and I are undefeated as a tag team. Oh, nice. Now, the couple of times that we used to call each other hammer and chisel, but they never put <laughs> us together. Uh, but whenever Randy Orton and I tied together, we, we were undefeated. I think we we're like 11 or 12 and 0 or something like that. You know, and that was hammer and chisel, baby. baby. Yeah, that was our thing. Well, dude, it's great to have you here with us. Thank it's you. The third company we've been in is uh, going to be a huge Yeah, you and I know when to step off a sinking well, ship, do. don't we? We do. <laughs> I think we're going to be on this one for a while, though. Me too. Me, me too. Definitely. Thanks, man. Thank you.